welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez and rolling solo today, the day after the Sacramento Kings selected Iowa's Keegan Murray with the fourth overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft and was quite a day yesterday. The plan is kind of just to go through what yesterday looked like and obviously the results of it and where Sacramento kind of needs to go from here. I think it was a disappointing day for most of the fan base. Um, I, I was pretty disappointed, admittedly. I think a lot of the media in the draft room that the Kings kind of set up for us were disappointed with how everything ended up playing out. Um, I will say by the end of the night slash this morning, I had found something that I was okay with, I guess. I'd found my silver lining in the way that like I feel good about this. And we got to talk to Monty McNair last night as well. I, throughout this episode, am going to kind of be maybe presenting conflicting points, but really what I try to do is separate. There's my opinion, which I'm going to give all the time on here and be able to tell when it's my opinion. And then there's what I think the Kings are like trying to do or what the goal is here, you know, because just because I disagree with something and in a majority of people disagree with something or they're going opposite of consensus doesn't mean they're guaranteed to be wrong. I think that the Kings have their logic in this, even if who knows how many other teams actually would have taken Keegan Murray at four. Um, I think the Kings have their logic and I think that it can be presented in a somewhat understandable way. So just starting with Murray and well, let's start with pick number four. The expectations going into the night, Sacramento owns pick number four, 37 and 49. And early in the day, pick 49 gets traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers for the draft for the rights to Sasha Vizenkov, who is currently playing in the Euro League. And he was on all Euro League first team last season. Actually, he is six nine and uh, actually 26 years old, about to be 27 in August, but he's got great size and shot 37% from three last year on 4.2 threes per game in the Euro League as the leading scorer of their team. Um, his team also, just fun fact, Tyler Dorsey, Quincy Acey on that team, uh, kind of going through film, you run into Papa Giannis, and it's an intriguing league to watch and, and often talked about as the second best league in, in the world behind the NBA. And um, I mentioned that he was the leading scorer on that team because 37% doesn't do him enough justice for how good of a shooter he is, I think. I was really impressed by Vizenkov. Um, impressed in the way of like, hey, maybe he can make it on an NBA rotation. It's not like they're getting something crazy here. I don't want to come off as I'm overhyping some second round pick. Um, I think it could be okay value. And if it's like people will say, oh, well, if he was... Um, if he was so intriguing, why didn't the other team spring him over? He was originally drafted by Brooklyn, um, and then he was a part of the James Harden trade um, that also had things going to Cleveland since they gave up Jared Allen and that whole complicated deal. So then the, his rights went to Cleveland, and now they have moved on to the Sacramento Kings. 
I think that a potential reason that Vizenkov never came over to the NBA, if that is his goal, um, was that he didn't really come into his own and, and emerge to be the player that he kind of has became in Europe until these last two seasons. And he just signed an extension, uh, I want to say last year, um, maybe year prior. Sorry that I don't have that specific and uh, for sure right in front of me here. Um, just signed an extension with his team. And the final two years, which I believe is uh, this season and the next year, do have an NBA buyout in it. Don't know the specifics of that number um, and don't even know if Vesenkov has any interest in coming over to the NBA. We tried asking Monty McNair about it last night. Didn't really get a great answer. He seemed like he liked Vesenkov. Um, so maybe there's something there. But, oh, my point. <laughs> the Kings, I think, have a potential role for him. Potential. He's a star in Europe. And like, again, again, I don't want to come off as I think Vizenkov is some crazy, like he's going to change everything. I just think he maybe could be nice. And reality is the Kings back of fours right now are Trey Lyles. Um, is Chemezi Metsu going to be around? Mo Harkless. There's a chance that he could be an okay backup four for um, the Sacramento Kings. If he's, I don't know, maybe, maybe, um, but certainly not really affecting I think the way that anybody is looking at the draft or um, just maybe he works out who knows I think it's an interesting flyer we'll see if the Kings actually end up bringing him over and hopefully we get some clarification on that soon so then as we are going into the draft there's so much talk about this number four pick and that's where the draft starts, allegedly, right? That the top three, we all know who's going top three. We thought we knew the order was the idea, and then Woj kind of um, fixed himself, I guess. And then they ended up going in a different top three, and I'm not going to lie, I got a, a little excited that Chet or Jabari would be a real possibility and that maybe one of those top teams, top three teams, would pick Jaden Ivey. Obviously, that's not the way that it ended up playing out. And Sacramento sitting on the clock at four. Everybody is thinking that they're probably going to trade the pick. At least that that's where I'm at. I guess I shouldn't speak for everyone. But I think that that was kind of where it felt like most people were at in uh, in the media draft room there. And then uh, the name Keegan Murray comes in. And got the update just like everybody else, obviously. And I think it was not expected like my thing is I was ready for fireworks to be honest I thought that this was going to be a crazy day for the Kings I had told friends beforehand like man there's gonna be a real big shakeup in the league on draft night like I don't know that it'll necessarily be the Kings but I, I think there's going to be some major trades I think the Kings probably do something but we'll see Really, no substantial trades uh, happened on draft night for any teams, including the Sacramento Kings. And I think ideally the Kings would have taken Keegan Murray if that's their guy, which it seems very much that, that he is outside of maybe some guys in the top three. I think that if the Kings really liked Ke Keegan Murray, that ideally they would have traded down and gotten additional assets while still securing Keegan Murray. Because allegedly, like the... Atlanta the um, Detroit Pistons, excuse me, who are sitting at pick five, really like Jaden Ivey. And you're in a position where it's like, well, we're going to take him if, if you don't move up here. 
But what if Detroit is like, you know, we like Ivy, but we don't like him all that much more than Keegan Murray that we're willing to give up an asset to move up to go and get him. So you take who you want and we're going to be just fine with either of the guys sitting there at five. I don't know if that's how it played out, but it doesn't seem like Detroit thought that Jaden Ivey was going to be on the table at five based on how all their uh, post-draft pressers and all that went. It seemed like they thought somebody, if not somebody was going to trade up to four and take Jaden Ivey before he would be available at five. So the issue is, I think the Kings loved Keegan Murray. Not, a, I'm sorry, that's not an issue, but I'm saying the issue with trading down and still acquiring Keegan Murray. The issue with that, in my mind, and again, this is just kind of me laying out what I think potentially could have happened. I have no clue. If they didn't want to lose out on Keegan Murray and thought he was substantially better than other guys on their board, then trading with say the Pacers at six who move up to four, let's say for like, I wouldn't have done this deal. Obviously the Kings wouldn't have done this deal because apparently it was offered according to Jeremy Wu of Chris Duarte and the sixth overall pick for number four, right? Say the Kings accepted like Malcolm Brogdon and number six or something. The Pacers move up to four. Let's say they take Jaden Ivey. The Pistons are just going to take Keegan Murray. And then the Kings are sitting there and, Apparently, they don't like anybody else that much. Like, that's the impression that I'm getting here. Um, and that's why I think they didn't move down. I think they genuinely love Keegan Murray. The issue here um, that is kind of complicated is just like that the Kings didn't get that much access to different prospects throughout this process. Um, you know, Keegan Murray and Jeremy Sohan were the only two that said that they were in contact with the Sacramento Kings during the process when, when they spoke to media, uh, within the last week. Like, I think the Kings had a really tough time getting people in their building who were considered lottery picks because maybe agents have bad relationships with the Sacramento Kings. Like there's some people that, you know, I, I don't think that there's a handful of players that I'm sure you can think of throughout the last couple of seasons that maybe them and their agency feel like the Kings kind of did them wrong. So therefore, anybody else under that agency, I don't know if I want my guy to go there. And the Kings are probably trading the number four pick. Like, I don't know if I'm, yeah, we don't, we don't need to go there. Or my guy probably isn't going to have a great success rate if he goes to the Kings. Like if I'm, if I'm a draft prospect, to be honest, to be honest, why would I want to go to the Kings? Why? At the top of the draft, like looking at the history of this franchise, they have not put their players in a position to succeed. That could be starting to change, but that's just the reality of what this is. And I think that from the outside looking in, it's like, why would people want to go to Sacramento? And they're just... So... The fact that maybe they didn't get the opportunity to fall in love with some other prospects that they could have traded down for because they didn't have all these in-person interviews is interesting. 
Now, when Monty McNair got asked about this in the presser, the lack of availability that they had, um, and, and I do think that part of this is maybe that the Kings could have put more time and effort into actually having uh, meets with these people and, and having conversations and, and workouts and things like this. But Monty McNair's response was that, you know, we do our due diligence for it, it doesn't start once we know we have the number four pick, like we've been doing research on this draft. Our scouts have been doing research on this draft for year. Some of these guys years now um, we've been going to games. Fran McCaffrey, who's the head coach for Iowa said that they've been scouting Keegan Murray for a long time and very in depth. And again, Keegan is one of the guys that they really did talk to. My understanding is just Keegan Murray and Jeremy Sohan um, during this draft process. But they also talked to Keegan Murray, I think, I believe prior to this process and just they did such a in-depth job with Murray um, that I think the point being like there's access to all of these guys years year round so there is a lot of value in getting to talk to these prospects it's very telling that the Kings weren't able to get a conversation and work out with a lot of these guys and I think that that is just a product of the organization being looked at it's not the best way understandably so um so i I think that that's what makes this keegan murray pick complicated is that did they even get enough opportunity to fall in love with these later guys to seriously consider trading back and i don't know um honestly i don't know that we're ever gonna know like I kind of try to let go of things because I think it's probably better for my mental and that's just where I'm at. And the second that Keegan Murray is confirmed as a member of the Sacramento Kings, i excited to have Keegan Murray. I shouldn't say the second because it takes me a second to process and make sure like, so they're not trading anything. Are we sure? Blah, blah, blah. Um, but by the end, time I get home, like, man, I'm going to love Keegan Murray. The entire fan base is going to absolutely love Keegan Murray. And Monty McNair and the front office love Keegan Murray. Um, I think that it's unfair that Keegan Murray is going to have Jaden Ivey's name attached to him for the rest of his career. And, I mean, I'm very guilty of thinking that they should take in Jaden Ivey. It's going to, like, I'm going to be looking at Jaden Ivey and thinking, man, Sacramento could have had that. Like, again, I, I think that Jaden Ivey was the pick. If it was me, I would have taken Jaden Ivey because of reasons I've laid out here on um, the Kings Herald, on the Kings Beat podcast with James and Sean, on ESPN 1320, DLOKC, is that the Kings' only opportunity to get a star in the NBA pretty much ever is through the draft. So I think they need to take a swing when there's a potential star on the trip on the table, because when do you get another chance? And I think that Jaden Ivey has the potential to be a star. I don't think that Keegan Murray does, to be honest, I could be wrong. This is just my opinion. I know I will say a lot of people share this opinion. I, I don't think that the handle's there. I think there's a very serious lack of self-creation that was shown from Keegan Murray during his time at Iowa, although he obviously 
scored his ass off and was the leading scorer on one of the best teams in the Big Ten, the best team in the Big Ten. He was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I just don't see how he's a self-creator at the NBA level. He's going to be a very, very good NBA player for a long time. And the Kings need more really good NBA players. Lord knows they need another starter, especially with size at the wing. So I think that the Kings, I kind of look at it as poor asset management, poor value for the number four pick. But it's a weird draft. Um, it, it sounds crazy that like it's a big difference between Jaden Ivey and Keegan Murray and they're taking it four and five. And I think Murray was seen as probably the likely guy to go at five, even if Murray went four. So like people are like, oh, there's only one pick. Like what's the difference we're talking about here? I do think the ceiling is very, very substantially different between the two. Um, so I get why it was probably, shouldn't say probably, I could see it being extremely complicated to move the number four pick and still love what you're getting back. I think that they were trading the number, they were probably trying to trade the number four pick because they knew everybody else loved Jaden Ivey and they were still really about Keegan Murray. Um, I'm going to play Monty McNair, a little bit of Monty McNair's presser from last night after the draft when he spoke to media, and he kind of speaks a little bit about Keegan Murray and what he thinks he brings, and just pay attention to how you can hear Monty McNair like really, really likes Keegan Murray. And it sounds like the rest of the front office does as well. And I'm telling you, the entire fan base is going to love Keegan Murray. May not be a star, but he's kind of what the Kings need. Maybe not what you would expect from a number four pick, but it's going to be hard to not like Keegan Murray. And uh, here's Monty McNair when we talked to him last night about Keegan Murray in the draft. We certainly value all the information we can get on these guys, um, but I, I would just point to like ultimately, like I said, this is not just like the last few weeks that we're sitting in that room. Uh, our scouts have been out there all season, and for some of these guys, for for many years, we've seen these guys in college, even even high school all star games, things like that. So uh, there is just so much information out there now. Uh, you know, certainly the the more touch points we can get the better on guys, but, um, you know, really once the time for the draft comes around, we, we have so much video, uh, you know, Intel, uh, seeing these guys live, um, you know, talking with, with people who've been around them that, uh, we feel comfortable, uh, with, with the person and the player of these guys, uh, to a pretty high degree by this point. Yeah, Monty, uh, Keegan Murray has gotten a little bit of a, a label of a low ceiling. And I'm curious what your response is to that and, and what you view as kind of his ceiling throughout the NBA. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's funny. Uh, I won't name names because the NBA probably would not like that. But uh, I would I would say go back and look at some guys who people thought had low ceilings. And uh, I don't know how you would say that about a guy who – led the led the country in in point scored uh who like uh tony said over here had uh the steel block rebound uh numbers that he does um you know i think keegan 
in the Big Ten, the best conference in the country, uh, being one of the most productive players, um, you know, all season long uh, against some of the toughest competition. Um, we don't see it that way. Uh, we think Keegan has an extremely high ceiling. We think he's going to come in here uh, and, and prove that to everyone. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he's excited and I'm excited to see it. Um, can you talk about a little uh, a little bit about his uh, dynamic uh, features that he, that he has? You know, kind of list them if you could. Yeah, I think uh, Keegan was. I'm going to get the stat wrong, but uh, his dunk like dunks one of the one of the highest uh, dunk rates uh, for his position in college. Uh, a fantastic transition player. We talk about wanting to play fast here. Um, and certainly that's something that we can emphasize, but we also got to get players that can do it. And, uh, we know we've got a few of those on our roster already. Uh, and Keegan's, Keegan's another one. Uh, I think, um, he, he is very smooth with his game and, uh, maybe that lulls people to sleep, but, uh, a guy who dunks the ball, runs in transition, rebounds the ball, blocks, steals, all these things indicate, uh, a dynamic player with athleticism, with skill, uh, with all those things. So I, I don't know exactly why people uh, see that. Maybe those are some of the reasons, but uh, we feel confident in uh, in not just his production, but his his dynamism. Yeah, I mean, take that for what you will. I do think they really like Keegan Murray. Um, you never know how much is lip service. Maybe it's just that... They were not going to take Jaden Ivey. I can say that much. I, I thought if Jaden Ivey's name was called, I was fully expecting that there would be a follow-up tweet later in the night that by the time you reached pick 11 or 16, there would have been something else because he was getting traded elsewhere. That is obviously not what ended up happening. I don't think that the Kings were willing to take Jay Nivey. And I think that has to do with the his fit on this roster and specifically with De'Aaron Fox. Um, and Sabonis to an extent. It, it's more of the fit of him compared to the fit of Murray in my mind. Like Murray is seamless with this Kings roster. Like the definition of what they need. Maybe not. Maybe I should calm down. Maybe not the definition, um, but he fits really damn well. Th- length and shooting, right? What did Darren Fox say at uh, the end of season presser last year that the Kings need? Length and shooting. Well, Keegan Murray is six eight and just shot almost forty percent from three on four point seven threes per game, and also by the way, fifty five percent from the field when he's shooting almost five threes per game. And the 23 and a half points, there was 8.7 boards and the steals and block numbers that Monty McNair seems to to love here and his staff, 1.5 or 1.3 steals, excuse me, and 1.9 blocks. I don't think that he's quite that level of defender. And I will caution people that if you watch Keegan Murray highlights only, uh, you might get misled a little bit. And it's just not the same as watching a full game of Keegan Murray, like, like Monty said, he's smooth with his game. Maybe that lulls some people to sleep, but he gets it done. Um, so when you watch the highlights, there are some 
that they're legit highlights. Like they they pop off the screen a little bit. But just know you don't get those all too often. I think when you will get them and where this team is is really going to be a force is transition. Like we already know and Monty McNair says in that clip that I just played, I believe, that they are still planning on playing a pretty high-paced offense. I mean, they have the fastest player in the league with De'Aaron Fox. I think DeMontis Bonus fits that really well with being able to get boards, put the ball on the floor himself, um, and hit those outlet passes in transition to to Fox or or say um, Keegan Murray. And Murray has a good speed to him. I, I think that his acceleration and his first step is just a little bit lackluster. Um, it takes a sec for him to get going downhill, but once he's going, he's he's got a head of steam. Then he's a really good finisher at the rim, and he dunks a lot. It was interesting to me that uh, McNair did point out his dunk percentage. Um, I, I like I like that uh, being able to finish plays, and that's really what Keegan Murray is. He's a play finisher, and the Kings need more of those guys. Like they have their play creators is the idea. I think this this is in my mind the idea. They think they have their play creators. De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Bonus. They don't really have play finishers. And those play creators can't be fully optimized without finishers. Um, again, my issue with, with how this is handled is that you can find play finishers. It's a whole lot harder to find those play creators and yeah you had a chance to potentially get anyways anyways don't need to get into it i'm fully on board with the kings taking keegan murray they're gonna love him i have no issues with that being the pick at four it's not what i would have done i doubt that they would have been able to trade down and still keep keegan murray um but i really get it like if fox and if fox and ivy don't work great together they're not optimizing one another then what is what ends up happening with Sabonis and then maybe you end up restarting and I honestly don't think that'd be the worst thing but I understand why that's not somebody whose job is on the line why they're not willing to go that way you know I got asked um I forget when it was but like what would I do I would take Jay Nivey and it's like well what would you do if your job was on the line uh I don't know. That's a different story. Um, and I think that's the reality of where we're at with Monty McNair, Wes Wilcox in this front office. Um, the one thing I do want to point out in that McNair presser, he says that it was a unanimous decision between him and his staff that Murray was the right pick. Um, wow. I, are you really like, I, I don't know about, that one I don't I don't think that it, anybody even expects for all of the front office there's a lot of people in that room to think every single one of them yes this is the guy like I see I think it's very healthy for the room to be split and for both sides to be presented and then being able to pick between either or I see why this could have been a split decision. I honestly don't see how this was a consensus. And I, I kind of think that this is my guess is that Monty is not trying to have, you know, the 
can you imagine if like i guess he didn't need to say the consensus because we wouldn't have heard otherwise but the whole like oh we know other members of the front office wanted Jaden ivy so and it's like some people could overblow that i think it would have been totally healthy and i don't think mcnair needed to say that it was a consensus among the room honestly i don't believe it i, I just don't think that's a healthy room and i think it's good to have varying opinions um so I would guess that it was actually varying, and I think that's a little bit of lip service by Monty McNair. But moving past Keegan Murray, because once the Kings make that pick, again, I can justify that to myself. Not what I would have done, but I could justify it. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 That's now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Does that. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. Actually, I'm going to stick on Murray for one second longer. I think that now we've seen three first-round picks from Monty McNair. We can notice a little bit of a trend at this point. That every single one of those guys that he's taken, Tyrese Halliburton, Davion Mitchell, and now Keegan Murray, are all players that were viewed as having a high floor. That's for sure. And maybe a low ceiling, by the way, when McNair says in that quote of, you know, look back at some of the players who had the label of a low ceiling and tell me how that went. One of them was Tyrese Halliburton. And I think that's already changed. Um, The other difference or similarity between all three of these and a trend that we can pick up on now at this point, they're all talked about as amazing people. And I know that's not the most important thing. Like you're trying to win basketball games, winning fixes everything. They have to be good. Like I don't give a damn if he's an asshole, if he's out there kicking ass and winning games. Like great, his teammates care. And I think that this is where I ended up settling. They all are extremely good people and talked about as just great to be around and ridiculously hard workers if you look at their development path all three of them at some point during it they had outlier growth that people didn't see coming that took them to another level and i think what's happening here is that the kings are their type in my mind at this point is the guy that's already really good and he works his ass off. So he'll probably get even better. Um, I'm not a hundred percent on if that's the right way to go about things. And again, I'm not a hundred percent. That's the way they actually view it. But to me, I, I think that that 
is kind of what I'm piecing together with all of this. And look, like, I mean, we're going to have to see the jump that Davion makes this year. I think that is one of the big telling points to me of like, okay, we hear about your work ethic all the time. I absolutely believe it. I think that Davion, they have to like lock him out of the gym. Let's see the progress. So you're a bad three-point shooter last year. And that's, you have to be a good three-point shooter to play on this roster alongside Fox and Sabonis. Like if he wants to eventually be the starting two or starting one, if you want to say De'Aaron's the two, like he's got to be able to shoot well. And if this crazy work ethic is going to show in any sort of way on on on-court progress, then like we're going to see it going into the next season after an off season um, because he's got so much time to put work in. So, you know, maybe there's another level of like Davion Mitchell and maybe that's the same way they're viewing Keegan Murray. Like I, I could see why maybe I'm crazy for saying that this 22 year old that just put up the numbers that he did has a low ceiling because I would be happy to be wrong. And there is a lot to like about Keegan Murray. Um, I think that there just needs to be another step of outlier progression for him to reach an all-star. But is the fact that there's outlier progression previously in his history mean that it's even more likely to happen again? I don't exactly know. I think they're buying into work ethic, character, and just guys that are already good at basketball. Like, I think there's the players that are athletic and have all this all the talent but the skill and IQ is lacking a little bit all three of the guys money's drafted um, athleticism is kind of eh doesn't seem to be a priority not to say Keegan's not athletic I think in the open court again head esteem um, he is athletic I think he does have a decent bounce to him and he's got a really good lateral quickness I, I think that he can guard um kind of two through four or five, even maybe like three through five. I think he's a very good on ball defender. Um, Did a really good job on Johnny Davis a couple times throughout this season who ended up going to Washington. Um, It was a smaller guard. Like I think Keegan Murray is pretty impactful on the defensive end. But the other thing that stands out to me here with money, McNair, West Wilcox front office, taking these type of guys. And also you look at Mike Brown. I think that, they are very focused, and this is going to sound obvious, on changing the culture. And if you put yourself in the player's shoes, and we'll do, I'm going to do Darren Fox for this because there was reporting that Darren Fox was pretty unhappy going into the beginning of last season because Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley were still on the roster when they did not want to be. And the thought was that they were going to get traded in that offseason prior. I thought it would happen. You probably thought it would happen. I think everybody thought it would happen. And the same with Luke Walton, by the way. And I think De'Aaron Fox, or if you're a player on that team, you go into practices and you kind of see, you can just tell, you know these guys don't want to be here. And I don't want to talk bad about anyone's personality or anything. Everyone's different. I don't think that Buddy and Bagley handled that situation well. I don't think that they're guys that in that specific situation, which to be fair, I don't think that Sacramento did them any favors or anything like that. I don't think that they're guys that if you're their teammates, you're particularly enjoying playing with. 
And I think Fox was frustrated that it was probably another year. I, I shouldn't speak on how Fox is feeling. I'm If I was in those shoes, I would be really frustrated that it's like, really, we're going to just be sitting on these guys and waiting for the best value and throwing away a year. And these guys do not want to be here. And this became infectious on the rest of the roster that like, I'm not going to lock in because that guy doesn't give a shit. So if I go all out and he's only going 50%, my all out doesn't even matter because this is a team game and his guy just got a free backdoor cut and all my 15 seconds of perimeter defense, not that the Kings actually had 15 seconds of perimeter defense this year, but keep up with me, uh, did not matter because they still got a free basket at the end of it. I think that you can look at this roster and paint a picture of guys who are all hard workers and I'm really pitching the cheesiest shit ever here. Guys that get along with each other. Like there is a lot of value in enjoying your teammates and wanting to see them succeed and vice versa and wanting to succeed for them. Like look at the Memphis Grizzlies. Every single guy that goes out there is giving a thousand and ten percent because they're all doing the same for one another. Like if that guy's given everything, what the hell am I doing if I'm not? And I think the Kings are kind of building a roster of guys that are all going to go out there and like, all right, let's, let's bust some ass and let's do this. Like, I think that everybody could be on the same page next year. Again, there's a decent chance I'm talking myself into this because if I recorded this pod right after the draft last night, got to tell you, it probably would have been pretty negative. But I do think that there's a way that the culture is changing here with a Davion, with honestly, Buddy Bagley leaving and a Davion Mitchell coming in, a DeMontis Sabonis coming in, a Keegan Murray coming into the roster. I think that De'Aaron Fox very much so knows that it's kind of now or never. Like, all right, let's turn it on. It's time to do this because this is your sixth year, I believe he's going into. And people are kind of thinking that that 25-7 and that he had was a fluke. And personally, I think last year was the fluke. I think that people, the people that were annoyed that maybe, you know, if it is true, that reporting that he was upset coming into camp, that Buddy Bagley was still there. And then so maybe he was just out of it. And I think you could see that in the pressers at the beginning of the year and the way he was talking about things. He looked a little disengaged. Um, I could see why that's annoying for the fan base and, and people. I also get it. Like, if I'm Darren Fox, I'm pretty annoyed in that situation too. Um, so I get it. I think that really did affect him last year. I think he played really well with Sabonis in those 15 games, and you saw him have a little bit of a different light to him. So really what I'm selling myself on with Keegan Murray, Mike Brown, um, I, I, Davion Mitchell, Fox, Sabonis, like I think that all of these guys are going to work their ass off and want to play for and with one another. Um, and there's a crazy amount of value in that because that's 
part of a reason why some teams overperform. And then you look at a team last year like the Sacramento Kings where maybe there's some internal issues. Um, and for that reason, they, they underperform. So I really am talking myself into the Kings are rolling guys out there every single night that are smart players that are giving them an opportunity to win on most nights. Like, I don't think the Kings are going to be so drastically out-talented that they just have no chance to win games. And that's maybe makes me a little bit of an outlier, um, but I think that they're putting together a roster of guys that are good cultural fits. Um, not fits because if you're fitting into what already exists in the Sacramento culture, I guess that's not a good thing, but they're good guys to bring in when you're trying to change the culture. And I think they're putting a whole lot of value in that. And I think that's important because these guys all talk to each other. If somebody leaves Sacramento and it was a shit show. They're taught. They're telling other people about it. If someone's considering a free agency, like, Oh man, I don't know. Should I go? Um, there's other people, other players saying like, no, Dude, you're wasting your time. You're ruining, uh, you're wasting parts of your career. Um, and it's not like it's enjoyable there either. Like, I think it could be different. You could slowly start to change the narrative if it's like, no, man, all, I those guys all really enjoy playing for each other. They play their ass off. They have a chance to win every night. Um, and, and you just kind of slowly start to change the narrative. I very much worry that the roster is not talented enough to get out of the first round this year, or, or I guess next year, the year after, the year after that, without really substantial improvement. But what was I talking about at the beginning? The Kings couldn't get interviews with guys. They couldn't get in-person workouts. Like, maybe if you were respectable, and even if that means just what I laid out being a team that actually plays their ass off and is in the playing tournament, then maybe it's different. So I do really, I guess the way that I am accepting this pick because they didn't go with the upside is that I do think that Keegan Murray is somebody that can be part of a really good culture. And I think that the Kings are continuing to build that. The issue with the rest of the night really goes beyond Keegan Murray, to be honest. The 37th pick that the Kings owned ended up getting traded to the Dallas Mavericks for the their 2024 and 2028 future second-round picks. The 37th pick ended up being Jaden Hardy, who we all saw on TV in the... Um, draft room, which I thought it was pretty funny that, of course, the Kings picked the last guy that is still in the room at the draft, and he gets to go up on stage with big purple and Kings logos behind him and, and put on a Kings hat. And you just already know that pick's traded and can see how this looks horrible in the future. Because Jaden Hardy coming into the year was talked about as a potential top five pick, and then he goes to the ignite and really what shit 
to be honest, but he only played 12 games, shot 30-something percent from the field, under 40% from the field. He was really bad, really bad. But the potential's there. It's the 37th pick. Like, get him in your program and just slowly work him along. Like, I just don't see what the risk involved is. Like, if they had questionable intel on his personality and or felt like the storyline of him was going to get in the way and, and they don't want all this extra shit to get in the way of their season, they're so focused on, like, a good culture, right, and not having all this extra shit. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I think that there were other guys also at 37. I think it could have been um, EJ Liddell. I think there's one no more. There's a couple guys that were really interesting to me there, and that feels like a waste. I I don't th- like. Are they trying to? Is it that they didn't like anybody else? Anybody? So then they went for 2024 and 2028, like two second round picks that might not even be around to use. That one makes no sense. I genuinely do not understand and hope we get the opportunity to ask Monty McNair what is going on with that. We weren't able to at last night's presser because it had not officially been through the league offices, so we weren't allowed to talk specifically about that move. That one was a shocker to me. Um, And it's I guess just a second round pick, but like second round picks pan out. Like heard Keegan Murray talk about how he compares himself to Chris Middleton, which I don't know that I love that comp by the way, but Chris Middleton was a second round pick. Like there's guys that are valuable second round picks. I know the Kings never seem to get them, but they're out there and they probably would eventually. And you're definitely never going to get one if you don't try. And it's not like the Kings already have all their depth in place. Um, so maybe it's a, I don't even know. I was going to say roster spot, but they have spots. Um, maybe you want a roster spot open for trades or something. I genuinely do not know. The pick 37 trade made no sense to me. Like I said, I'm kind of treating this process as there's my opinion. And then there's what the logic that I feel like I can present for the, the way that they went. I don't know how to explain what they potentially could have been thinking for the 37th overall pick and, and going and trading it for 2024 and 2028 second round picks. And they traded him to Dallas. Like, yeah, it's, it's your competition in the West. Um, so that's concerning. And then we talked about 49 for Sasha Vasenkov. Outside of that, Rashawn Holmes not being moved was disappointing. I think that on draft night is a big opportunity to move on from some of these guys and be willing to, yeah, just pick up some some assets, some draft picks, and, and kind of take advantage of the situation that's going on and try to call around and move around some of these players that you really like. And Rashawn Holmes is the guy to me on this roster that if he is still on the team at the beginning of next season, I 
am not going to understand it because this will again we've seen this in past that Monty McNair didn't like any Monty McNair did not like the offers that were on the table for Harrison Barnes at previous deadlines so instead they've just kept Harrison Barnes that's fine what if he ends up walking for the end of this at the end of the season for absolutely nothing because he's on an expiring Monty McNair didn't like any of the offers at pick four what if Jaden Ivey who he wasn't willing to take it seems he is really that guy maybe he's not but he could be um Bogdan Bogdanovich I think that there was a potential deal there when when they were thinking about signing and trading and it just like I think that there is a trend here of Monty holding on to and Buddy and Bagley being the primary two they, like I said, came into last season. They were not supposed to still be on the roster. But Monty McNair did not have any deal on the table that he thought was good enough value for those assets. And that kind of caused him to throw a whole year away. So I know Rashawn Holmes is not the same. Like I said, I think that Buddy and Bagley were probably didn't handle that situation amazingly. I think that if Rashawn Holmes, even if he wanted to be moved, which I would imagine is the case, I don't I think Holmes deserves more than 13 minutes a night because I don't see them playing too big on him alongside DeMontis Sabonis and Sabonis is playing 35, so 13 left for Rashawn. I I think that he's better than that. He deserves more than that. I think that his contract is a good value and I think that it could be viewed that way around the league as well. I don't think that Monty can sit there and say that they're in a position where uh, we're just going to hold on and wait because we don't like that deal enough. Um, I don't know. It's hard without knowing the exact offers on the table, obviously, but I, I really do think that that move probably could have been made last night if the Hornets were potentially interested in Rashawn Holmes. Like, could you have gotten that? 13th overall pick that they ended up sending to Memphis. I personally really liked AJ Griffin or Tari Eason, who was still on the board, but those are two, um, those are two project players, and it doesn't seem like the Kings really want to look in that direction, to be honest. Maybe they weren't considering that, but instead, Charlotte goes and picks up a center with Mark Williams. We just saw Dallas. Another potential landing spot for Rashawn Holmes when got Christian Wood. Maybe they think that those guys can play together and Rashawn Holmes is still a potential landing spot, but who knows? Um, Toronto is the only one left that I can really think of. Um, and there's probably others that I'm blanking on, but, and even Toronto went and got Christian Coloco from Arizona, who's a big man. Maybe that doesn't stop them from being interested in Rashawn Holmes, but it's like the longer you wait, the more these other teams that need centers are going to figure out an answer um I think that he eventually needs to be moved on from and, and it, in my mind it needs to happen before the start of this season because the Kings have to be a decent basketball team this season I think they will be I actually think that this team wins I mean it's hard to say because actually there's still I'm expecting probably another substantial move but I think like roster as currently constructed is like flirting with 38 wins like I know that doesn't sound amazing or anything, but like the one Jaeger year that everybody talks about, they got 39 wins. Everybody was super excited at the potential of 40. 
And that was a step in the right direction. Um, I think that this season, they won't be looked at as a joke. Because last year, dude, if if I'm on a different team and, and the Kings are, are coming up, this is an easy one. Like, to be honest, Kings were horrible last year. They gave up all the time. They didn't play for one another. The team chemistry on the court was horrible. They couldn't shoot for shit. They didn't play defense and talked about how the transition game was the best the best thing they had going for them. It's like, well, you're not going to get in transition if you, the other team's making the shot every damn time and you can't get a stop. I think that they got a decent defender in Keegan Murray. They can put out a lineup that all of a sudden, and this is some say I'm saying this as somebody who's been deprived of defense, and I love defense. I like defense more than offense in the NBA, so take my word with a grain of salt here. But they can put out a lineup that's Davion Mitchell, Dante DiVincenzo if he returns, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, DeMontis Sabonis. All of a sudden, I'm like, shit, that's a, that's a defensive lineup right there. And Mike Brown's calling out De'Aaron Fox, not calling out, but pointing out in his presser, like, I, I think that we can be a solid defense, improved. And he's like, I remember there was a time when I saw De'Aaron Fox uh, prior to him in the NBA, and he was damn good on defense. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit there, but he specifically said, I remember Fox being a really good defender. And Fox is in the room right there. Like, I, I think that that, if everybody can buy in and there be some sense of laughing because I really am selling myself on this selling myself on the cheesiest shit ever but if everybody can be on this on the same page and obviously all trying to win games and that is the primary focus whatever it takes there's not people having extra motives and things like this um, I think that there's I think the Kings can be respectable and honestly while this is far from the way I would have gone about this, I think that a roster is slowly getting formed that is making them respectable. I know it's a low-ass bar, but like, I guess you got to climb out of that first. Um, could it be too short-sighted? I think so, um, but... I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, if they get to that step of, of the play-in and maybe they win one, lose a second, or make make the first round and get swept, whatever, like, that is progress. That takes the stink off, I guess, because 16 years doesn't turn to 17. But if you don't make it again the year after, then it just becomes, oh, well, I haven't made the playoffs 17 in the last 18 years. So... It's got to be sustainable, and I think the Kings are potentially... What I'm getting from their draft process is that they are willing to bet on guys that are already good, that have good work ethics, that those are the guys that you want to have on your team. Every single player that Monty's drafted in the first round, Tyrese, Davion, and Keegan Murray, are players that every single team, and like not hyperbolic, literally every single team in the league would be super happy to have on their team. And for good reason. 
They all are smart players who play hard, work their ass off, and they're good people. And maybe the odds they're playing are instead of going for these crazy upside guys when they and when they don't work that maybe there's a little more ego going on or or feeling a type of way because maybe a player thinks that it's the org's fault and not theirs and blah 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 these other guys like there's a chance that like one of them like Tyrese for example that one of the low ceiling guys actually ends up being a lot higher of a ceiling than than I thought or anybody else thought. And if one of them becomes that, like if Fox and Sabonis are actually the star, like all-star caliber next year, Mike Brown and having an entire season of the same coach in Mike Brown compared to this Walton Gentry thing that was going on last year. Um, geez. I am officially rambling and probably going to close out here, but I think, I guess this kind of gave you a little peek into my thought process throughout this whole thing. I don't think that this was the right move. The Kings have so much more to do. This isn't enough, far from enough. Um, they need to go and trade Rashawn Holmes. And what's going to happen with Dante DiVincenzo? Um, I would assume that Trey Lyles team option gets picked up i think 2.6 is is very reasonable price um will they fully guarantee chemezi metu which will be interesting because all of mike brown jordy fernandez and luke laux were on the nigerian national team with chemezi metu so curious to see kind of their opinion and the way they go about that process um the Kings still have a lot of work to do and need to add some depth to this roster they have pieces to do it um but Last night was a night that typically on the night of the NBA draft, you're able to make moves easier than you would throughout free agency and the time after in the offseason. Doesn't mean it's impossible. Far from it. The Kings absolutely still can add more onto Keegan Murray. And at this point... I have sold myself on, at very least, I think I'm going to really enjoy watching this team play. And I don't think that, I mean, last year sucked. Last year was a shit show, to be blunt. Like, it's just what it was. It was, there's guys throwing up courtside because the play is so disgusting on the floor. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think at very least, again, I understand this is a damn low bar. And it's probably me coping. And you can hear my, yeah, you can hear me going through the stages in this podcast. I think that they're going to play hard and be a collective unit. I think they're going to play hard together and for and with one another. And I don't think we've seen that. Um, Again, might be just talking myself into this. But that's where I'm at right now, a day removed from the Sacramento Kings taking Keegan Murray with the fourth overall pick. I get it. I don't get what they did with 37. 49 is fine. I hope that they actually bring Sasha Vizenkov over and use that pick on somebody that they thought was intriguing and could make an impact. He fits their 
he fits their type, a high IQ player that can shoot the shit out the ball, um, and is in his prime. So he fits their type. In my mind, I, I think they, it would make sense to bring him over. Um, I hope that they do. And that trade wasn't just for the 1.75 million that they also got in return from Cleveland. They have a lot more to do though. The Sacramento Kings that is because it gets complicated when you start looking at the rest of the Western conference. I can sit here and say they're going to give themselves an opportunity to win every single game. But when it comes down to it in the close minutes, like, are they going to close out? Um, San Antonio Spurs came came out of this draft with two really high upside picks in Jeremy Sohan and why am I drawing a blank? Malachi Branham, um, two really high upside picks and and the Spurs are already rubbing shoulders with the Kings. If either of those guys pans out, maybe this looks a little bit different. Um, the Portland Trailblazers went out and added Jeremy Grant for a 2025 Milwaukee first round pick, by the way. Really not that much at all. Um, a pick that they got because they traded away CJ McCollum. And maybe if the Kings had like moved Harrison Barnes previously or, or other assets, that they would have had an extra first round pick that they were comfortable moving because I would guess that, I mean, I wouldn't want to give up one of Sacramento's, excuse me, I wouldn't want to give up one of Sacramento's future first round picks for Jeremy Grant unless it had some pretty kind protections on it. And maybe that just didn't do it for Detroit. Like the other teams around them are really solid too. So, while I think that the Kings are going to be substantially better than they were last year, it's coming from a really low starting place. And it's going to be interesting to see how it progresses past next year. Because I think next year could be a great feel-good story because the team is is competent and respected again. But they just got to keep progressing. And we're going to have to see how that goes. Um, Keegan Murray, newest member of the Sacramento Kings. And we're going to get to talk to him with his introductory press conference with Monty McNair tomorrow. Um, I'm recording this on, Jesus Christ, I don't even know what date it is. On Friday, uh, the 24th at night here, we're going to get to talk to him at 10 a.m. tomorrow, Saturday, the 25th, and, and kind of get a little bit more of a, taste for Keegan Murray's uh, personality here and it'll be interesting to kind of see how this goes and, and the rest of the process because Kings absolutely needed to do more I was not happy with the way the last night went um, so I guess this pod might have a little bit of a different tone because I've had some time to settle down settle down is not the right word it's not like I'm sitting there heated and pissed last night or anything but kind of try to be like okay what are they seeing here and this might be the way that you get back to respectability and have a team of guys that all like to play to, with one another and get the most out of everybody. So that's what I'm going with. Keegan Murray, I think, is going to be a really damn good player. I'm going to love Keegan Murray. I Again, I think that you're going to love Keegan Murray. I think all of the fan base is going to love Keegan Murray. And glad to have him. He's very much a player that the Kings need. They just need a couple more. And 
it's disappointing that didn't happen yesterday doesn't mean it can't still happen before the start of the season. So we're going to have to see how the rest of this plays out. It's going to be interesting. Summer League is not far away. I believe the California Classic is on the third and the fourth. Um, I really hope I'm not getting those dates wrong with you guys, but uh, that will be at the Chase Center, the California Classic this year. And I will be there as media um, with obviously all the other Sacramento guys. I'm, I'm excited to kind of get that whole process started. And Summer League's always a good time. They're just building out their roster today and kind of going through all that. Um, I'm going to hold off a little bit on some of the potential guys that are joining that roster. I guess I will real quick touch on Keon Ellis, who is apparently getting one of the Kings two-way contracts. And Keon Ellis is a six three and a half guard from Alabama. And the Keon Ellis is a really good defender. Off ball defender. I think he's a, sol- a solid on ball defender as well. Um, decent at navigating screens. Um, he's a really he's a playmaker on defense, like a disruptor. He averaged in the 30.9 minutes he played in his senior year at Alabama. He averaged 1.9 steals per game. I think that he's a really smart defender who rotates well and has really active hands. He was listed at 6'6 for most of the season. And that's why he was hovering around like late first, early mid second, I think on a lot of mocks and big boards. Um, And then once he measured at the combine at, I believe, 6'3 um, that kind of slowed people down a little bit because, oh, he's not a wing. He's actually a guard. And offensively, while Keon Ellis is impressive on defense to me, specifically off ball, like I said, good rotations, active hands. I think he's a very smart defender. Offensively, um, he's just a shooter. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, he's a really good catch and shoot three point shooter. Um, last year, he knocked down 36% of his five and a half per game. Five and a half is a crazy number. You know, year prior, he's only taken a little less than two. He's knocking down 38.9%. I think Keon Ellis is a really good three-point shooter, uh, spot-up three-point shooter. Like, But I think that offensively, like teams are just going to close out hard on him and could do an okay job of attacking closeout, putting the ball down for one-two dribbles. Um, and, then, and then he's got decent finishing at the rim as well. But if he's ever asked to do any more than like it's like one two dribbles it's kind of a mess um not a very good handle and that's why maybe there's some intrigue with like he's on the two-way so maybe there's some intrigue with a um like a darren fox or like they need more point of attack defenders um and and i'm still not 100 percent certain on if he's got to dive into uh his film a little bit more but if, if keon ellis is I more ideal as a on-ball defender or as a help defender, um, rotational defender, I guess you would say. But I think that the Kings need more guard defenders on their roster. Um, so I don't know. I don't hate it. Um, I think that I could end up really liking Keon Ellis, but that's the two way that they currently have on their roster that they ended up adding. Um, it, it'll be intriguing. And you know what? I'm certainly not going to be mad about a three and D player because that's exactly what the Kings need. And they went out and got 
a really damn good shooter in Keegan Murray, who plays solid defense. Um, Keon Ellis, their two-way guy, who, again, not all too much expectations, but somebody that will I would assume we will see on their summer league roster, um, who could potentially be intriguing. I could see him being an NBA rotation player, and that's okay value uh, with, I mean, it was undrafted. I thought that, I guess after he measured in at the combine, going at 37 would have been kind, but it's almost like if they would have just taken this guy at 37 instead of trading for those two future seconds that it wouldn't have felt as bad and maybe we're overblowing the, yeah, never mind, never mind. It is what it is. Anyways, that is actually going to do it for me on this episode of the King's Bulls podcast. Um, Yeah be hearing from me a little bit more as things kind of get back into uh, a little bit of a news cycle and, and some excitement with uh, around the team because changes are coming and free agency, summer league, um, there's about to be a lot going on and it should be a pretty good time. So I appreciate anybody that made it to this point of the pod, anybody listening we are on youtube as well we i guess i am on youtube as well i always forget to mention this until the very end um, but you can definitely watch the podcast on youtube as well i post every episode on my youtube the king's pulse youtube channel as well um, so there's definitely that and likes and subscriptions i hate asking but i get told i'm stupid if i don't because they do actually help a lot. So if you don't mind, if you enjoyed, you could just, you know, hit that like and subscribe and definitely check out all the great work from all the guys and gals and friends of mine at the King's Herald who have done a phenomenal job covering this draft process. And obviously, by the way, there's a written profile by Bryant West, who obviously uh, comes on the show often of Keegan Murray that people should check out and that is on the king's herald as well as long as as well as whatever's going to be updates for these next couple days and and weeks and seasons even at the king's herald so take a look at the site obviously and take a look at their patreon to support local independent king's coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's pulse podcast please subscribe rate and review and you'll hear from me again in the next couple of days